This little baby, Lord, heal, Lord, this situation. We ask you today, God, you see every need, Lord. We may not have made it known, but we carry it in our hearts. Lord Jesus, we pray, oh God, that you touch every individual. God, both those present and those that may be watching online. God, you know our hearts, you know our desires, you know our needs, oh God. And we ask you today to touch us together, Lord. Help us together, Lord. To do your will, Lord, to glorify your name, oh God. In Jesus' name, help us, Lord. Anoint us together, Lord, as we worship you in this place, in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name. Just 
find people. Amen. Amen. I, I, uh, due to circumstances, amen, I am teaching tonight instead of Brother BJ and Brother Ryan. And um, I was, uh, I decided I was going to try to finish this particular part of our series we've been doing on Sunday morning. And uh, Brother Noah said, uh, how many more of these we got, Dad? And well, this particular segment of the series, we're going to try to finish, if not tonight, amen, maybe one more lesson, amen, hallelujah. How many of you are hungry for the Lord to work in your life? Amen. I, I want God to be pleased. I want God to bless. Amen. I've said it before. But, you know, no amount of me asking someone else to pray for me can undo or do better than what I can do for myself. Amen. God blesses those who live in a way that, he, that pleases Him. I want to please God. Amen. Amen. I have some notes here. Uh, and I actually am going to ask... For the BJ, if you wouldn't mind getting a mic, I'm going to let you help me read tonight. And uh, Brother Billy, would you come get these notes from me? Amen. I am going to, here's some notes for you. Amen. And each person gets two pages. One is blank on the back side. So there's a total of three pages of notes. And I don't really expect that I can cover all of this in the time allotted to me tonight. But uh, it'll give you something to pray about and study, amen, as your week progresses. I probably will share a few videos. In fact, if some of you may want the notes where some of these things came from, um, I can email those to you. There's a wonderful uh, resource that um, Pastor uh, Raymond Woodward uh, created years ago and has been a great tool and I used a lot of his material in this series uh, dealing in the area of holiness. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37, the first scripture on your note, Jesus said unto them, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Our our loving God is not based on our emotion. Our loving God is based on a, 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 a cognizant, thoughtful, purposeful choice. I will love the Lord. And the way that I know how to love God and how I will do that ultimately is by honoring, fulfilling, obeying, believing the Scripture. Jesus said in John 14 and 15, If you love me, what does it say? And further in Paul, uh, in 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote, If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. And so it is important for us to understand the things that were given to us, not just through the parables of Jesus but through the writings of the apostles, the preaching of the apostles, uh, it gives us a reason 
to read Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19. Brother BJ, would you like to read that for me? Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. So the church, the New Testament church, is built upon the, the apostles and the prophets. We understand that the way that is manifested today is the prophets is the Old Testament and the apostles is the New Testament. We understand from Moses to Malachi, we are given the Old Covenant. God moved on holy men of old and they spake uh, and by extension wrote by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost and that was God's record given to the Old Testament saints. But there is a spirit that is, dwells within an individual that desires to do righteousness that even those that did not have the scripture, they, there is something inside of them that motivated them to do what the Bible demonstrates as righteousness. Job, for example is the oldest book in your Bible, Job didn't have a Bible. But Job was perfect in the eyes of the Lord, and God said of him that he was a perfect man because he feared God and eschewed evil. So he walked in a way that honored God and he avoided the appearance of evil. And so those of us in this New Testament day, we have, we have a lot of Scripture. But if you really want to understand how to live a righteous life, walk in a way that honors God and avoid everything that even has an appearance of evil. And because we have the Bible as our record, we know what evil is. Because the Bible makes it very clear. Acts 2 and 42 kind of references our identity as a, a group that considers ourselves apostolic. A lot of denominations in the world, I've heard people say, why are there so many different kinds of churches? And the reason why there's so many different kinds of churches is because religious people have chosen various individuals in which they listen, read, and respect certain individuals in history and say, hey, I believe what John Calvin wrote. I believe what Martin Luther wrote. I believe what... Charles Taze Russell wrote. I believe what Mary Baker Eddy wrote. I believe what Ellen White wrote. And so you have the whole gamut of denominations in the world today. But I know a lot of people say this, but I, I think that we may mean it maybe a little more than some. And, and it is our desire that anything we preach, teach, pursue, or practice that it would have its roots in the scripture and not a historical figure in religion. Uh, I saw where someone wrote something concerning uh, post-apostolic fathers. Well, I don't even really put a lot of credit in the post-apostolic fathers because they're post-apostolic. Whereas the scripture tells us that the church is built upon the apostles and the prophets. And so Acts 2 and 42 
tells us, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, the apostles' teaching and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. And that, that go back one more, just go back just to the time of Jesus. Jesus commanded them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Next scripture, verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So what that tells me is what Peter preached is what Jesus commanded him. Peter preached the fulfillment of Matthew 28, 19. He wasn't confused. And so as apostolics, we desire to root our doctrine and practice firmly in the written words of Scripture and not in the philosophies and the doubts of this current culture. I saw a video, and I, I, I probably say this too much, but I saw a video the other day, and it was uh, there's a Twitter account. I think they call it Woke Theology. And there was some church singing, uh, You're good, good mother, that's who you are. And about that time, I decided I need to quit watching that video. <laughs> we live in a world whose philosophies are all about undermining the very basic fundamental foundation of our faith, which is the Word of God. He is our Heavenly Father. Jesus didn't get it wrong. Amen. If there is a patriarchy, God created it. That's free. Anyway, as we progress... That is why we literally believe what the Scripture says. If the Scripture says 47 and 1, Brother BJ, you want to read that for me? Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. That's why when we come to church, let's clap our hands. We literally believe that the Bible is true and the New Testament doesn't uh, uh, upset that biblical command. Clap your hands. Let's do it again. The Bible says it. We do it. And it also says, shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. Notice it doesn't say, be quiet and don't make any noise until the end of service and you go to the football game. The Bible says to shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. So the Bible says it. I believe it, and that's the way we practice worship in the church. We clap our hands, we shout unto the Lord, and there's all other kinds of things. Lift your, up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. That's the reason why when someone asks us, what do I need to do to be saved? I look at the scripture and find what they were told. Acts 2 and verse 38, Brother B.J. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So I, I read it, I believe it, I preach it, I teach it, and if somebody says, Pastor, I want to get my life right with God, I'm going to say, Repent. Right. Have you repented? I've repented. You need to get baptized. In Jesus' name, and it's not just an outward show of an inward work, the Bible says it's for the remission of sins. Hey, why do I believe that? Because that's what the Bible says. That's the reason why uh, when we read 1 Corinthians 11, verse 14, Brother B.J. 
Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. Amen. Why, why, why do we believe that? Why do we teach that? Because the Bible explicitly states it. And if you read the context, Paul is not talking about culture. He talks about creation. And that word long isn't a length. It is, an, it is a condition, a man not to cut his hair, and for a woman to cut her hair. It's a shame. That's what the Bible says. We believe what the Bible says. Even though we live in a culture, even a Christian culture, many people have never really understood that's a biblical command from an apostle and we should strive to figure out, okay, yes, sir, yes, Lord. And we try to teach that and preach. Now, granted, we, 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 everyone is welcome. Amen? We don't, have, uh, we don't have a matron or an usher checking everybody when they come in. And, you know, we don't have a dress code to come to church. Because everybody's welcome. Everybody is in a different place in their, their, their growing in the Lord. The Bible says, add to your faith. Virtue and to virtue, knowledge. And so as someone progresses in their walk with God, all of us start out in faith, but faith moves us to begin to live a better life. And as we live a better life, we learn more about the Word. And as we learn more about the Word, it, it causes us to come into a greater knowledge of the Word of God and experience a greater access to the power of God. Amen? First Timothy 2. Verse 8 through 10, Brother B.J. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubt. So I want you to notice uh, the distinction here. We're, we're about to get into the nuts and bolts of this lesson tonight. Is God deals with men's attitudes and their actions. Amen. I want you to be public and, 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 and bold with your prayer. And with your faith, and you do it, you don't act out of anger, and you don't walk around with a skeptical attitude about everything. Amen? Amen. That's, that is biblical holiness for a man. In like manner, verse 9, go ahead and read. In like manner also, that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Amen. And so, uh, and Paul writes to Timothy, and he makes a distinction. These are the things men must do. And men, we have a responsibility. Uh, ladies may outpray you. Ladies may outworship you. But your responsibility is to do, is to be bold and unashamed of your faith and prayer. Amen. Amen. But in like manner, Paul tells Timothy, a Christian leader, a pastor, if you will, that women should uh, adorn themselves in modest apparel. Uh, in, in, in a humble attitude, in, in a sober attitude, and that, that their whole uh, passion in life would not be about how they appear 
whether it's things they put in their hair, gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. And we need to notice that, that Peter tells the church this, basically the same thing Paul tells Timothy. Uh, read it for us, 1 Peter 3 and 3. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair and of, and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the adornment of a meek and quiet spirit, which is, which is in the sight of God at great cost. Great value. God values that. Everybody say it's in the book. In the book. Deuteronomy 22 and 5, the Bible says, The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for to do that, for, I, I, I'm missing a letter here, for that do, for they that do that, do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. So notice the difference. A man should not wear a woman's garment, but a woman should not wear what looks like a man's garment. You see the distinction? So I would say to you, from that premise, God does care what we wear. In Genesis 2 and 25, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Before the fall, they were naked and not ashamed. But at the fall, after the fall, verse 3, verse 7, and the eyes of them were both opened, and they knew that they were, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And he... Adam said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Notice they had already made themselves aprons. But even with an apron, he still felt naked. And unto Adam and also his wife did the Lord God make, what does it say? Coats of skin and clothed them. Does anybody want to tell me what the difference in an apron and a coat is? Coverage. <laughs> coverage basically an apron amen covers minimal things right right the um, trying to think of a good word with children here amen it, it covers the essentials amen but not much else right so they tried to cover their nakedness and you can see this what I'm reading they tried to cover their nakedness by sewing together fig leaves to make an apron. The Hebrew word hegora means girdle, uh, loincloth, apron, loin covering. This is a garment covering the pubic region and hips and is a man's idea of modest apparel. Verse 10 indicates that Adam and Eve still knew they were naked in God's sight. Since their covering was not acceptable to God, he... God used animal skins to make them a coat. The Hebrew word for kutanut, I'm sure that pronunciation is perfect. 
Amen. I, I'll help you and learn to pronounce it after church. <laughs> Means tunic with sleeves coming down to the knees, sometimes to the ankles. This is a garment with sleeves covering from the shoulders, least to the knees, and is God's idea of modest apparel. It dates back to Adam and Eve. Definitions from authorities such as Harris Theological Word Book of the Old Testament. <clears throat> that's... that's those are the, the, the references. Since God doesn't change, the principles of modest apparel have not changed either. Genesis 3 and 10, he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, I was afraid, because I was naked, covered only with an apron, and I hid myself. Exodus 20, verse 26, Neither shalt thou go up by steps unto mine altar, that thy nakedness, thy upper leg, be not discovered, Thereon, Exodus 28 and 42, And thou shalt make them linen breeches to cover their nakedness, from the loins even unto the thighs, from the waist to the knees that they reach. Isaiah 47, 2 and 3, Take the millstones and grind mill, uncover thy locks, make bare the leg, uncover the thigh, pass over the rivers, thy nakedness shall be uncovered, yea, thy shame shall be seen. God considers what to be nakedness, the upper leg or the thigh. I will take vengeance and I will not meet thee as a man. Amen. So gender distinction in the Old Testament. Since it is apparent that both men and women wore robes in Bible times. And, and we just have to, we have to realize how much our world has changed in the past 50 years. The Western world. Influenced by Hollywood. You know, I had an epiphany the other day. I know this isn't original with me. But probably the most ungodly examples of women today are the Kardashians. And their stepfather came out as a woman. Per perversion. And I have heard this said for years that those that are dictating the styles and the fashion of what looks good on women are often homosexuals. Perversion. And we have to be careful that we are not allowing the culture to dictate uh, to us what beauty is. Right. Amen? God made us. And we live in a culture that has dictated to women what a 50-year-old fat guy thinks looks pretty. Right? You look at the depression in the young women today. They're watching these TikTok videos. And they're looking at women with these filters. And they're making them, they're blowing up their lips. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They're blowing up their lips. They're shrinking their nose. They're doing all kinds of just absolute carnage to their image because they're, they, they are being, they're under such pressure to conform to an aberration. Amen. The way God made men and women, he looked back and saw that it was very good. Amen. And I believe that a lot of the, 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 the carnage that has happened in our culture is that pastors and preachers have ceased 
to even broach these subjects. Right? Because these subjects, as we've drifted further and further away, we have, we have become less and less aware. I have the observation that modern-day American females that consider themselves believers don't even know what modesty is. I've heard people talk about uh, that, you know, if you want to see uh, <clears throat> the woman form, just go to church somewhere. Amen. And why, how could that happen? Because the pulpit has become so silenced. The Bible says that a time will come when men will not endure sound doctrine and they will heap to themselves teachers or preachers that will tell them what they want to hear. And so we have reached a point where that has never been more true in our day than today. Amen. What's the next scripture, Brother B.J.? Did you, did you catch it? Why don't you read it for us? No, I did read it, but... The woman shall not wear that which pertains to the man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so are abominations before God. Now, I know in the Old Testament there are a lot of things that are called abominations. But there are only a few things that are called an abomination unto the Lord thy God. And that is a distinction that we need to make that there are moral absolutes that ha are maintained from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Historically, men and women have worn robes of one kind or another for the major part of human history. Thus, the distinctiveness of masculine and feminine attire as part as its construction was concerned was in ornamentation. That is, their style, color, markings, length, cuts, and trim. That's true. That's true today in the East, the Middle East.